So we're in this series called Living the Resurrected Life. And this morning I want to talk to you about staying focused and staying free from distractions. In Mark chapter 4, the Bible talks about the sower sowing the Word. The Word of God is sown in hearts. And of course, there are some hearts where the Word of God was sown that were not good ground. And we notice in Mark chapter 4, and let's look, pull up verse 19. Here's one of the grounds that we do not want to be. Then the cares and anxieties of this world and distractions of the age and the pleasure and delight and glamour and deceitfulness of riches and go so on and so forth, notice with me, creeps in, chokes, suffocates the word. That's not a good thing. The devil's always trying to bring creepy thoughts to our souls. He is the creep. Jesus is the Lord of lords. The devil is the creep of all creeps. Right? And you have authority over creeping things. And creepy thoughts. So don't let his scare tactics distract you from what you know is true in the word of God. Now I looked up the word distraction. The word distraction means this, having one's thoughts or attention to be drawn away. The inability to concentrate or to give attention to something. Some of the synonyms are very interesting. One synonym for distraction is fog. Anybody ever been in the fog? Well, the only fog we really want to be in is the favor of God. Everyone see the favor, the favor of, God. of God. It's pretty foggy in here right now. God's favor is all over you. Hallelujah. The blessing of the Lord is up on you. The blessing of the Lord is up on me. Amen. Another synonym for uh, distraction Bewilderment, confusion. God's not the author of confusion. To be mystified or to be perplexed. Well, focus is necessary. It's necessary in life. It's necessary as a parent. It's necessary as an athlete. It's necessary as a business owner. Focus is a must for a minister of the gospel. I love what Jerry Savelle said about focus. He said, focus means fixed on Christ's unlimited supply every day. Every day. Amen. Amen. Say that with me. Fixed, fixed. on Christ's Christ. unlimited supply every day, every day, every day, every day, every day. Amen. So the world is calling for your attention. It's calling for your focus. It's fighting for your focus. Focus is essential. Jesus said in Luke chapter 21 and in verse 26, and I'm going to ask you to read with me today. I want you to do a little bit better than they did in the 9 a.m. Ready, read. Men's hearts failing for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth 
Verse 27. Go ahead. You better turn your mic on, honey, for this one. Verse 28. Ready, read. And when these things began to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth not. See, Jesus said, people are looking after for all the things, times of perplexity. Jesus said, people are looking at all those things, but he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to not look out or look down, but I want you to look up. Amen? Look up. Why do we look up? How many of you know Jesus is coming soon? Morning or night or noon, he's coming soon. Yeah. Woo, glory. He's coming with a shout. It will not be long before that family in heaven and the family on earth is joined together. What a day of celebration it's going to be. When our Jesus we shall see. And our kinfolk, we shall see. Oh, that is glorious. And so, in your life, make sure that you're looking in the right direction. Because you will have opportunity to look in various places. And to look at various things. And to look at different types of reports. This is why the master encourages us with this word. Look up. Your redemption draweth nigh. But we don't have to wait for our redemption to draw nigh. Our redeemer has already come. And he has redeemed us from the curse of the law. He's redeemed you from poverty. He's redeemed you from sickness and disease. And He has redeemed you from spiritual death. Look at Psalm 121. Psalm 121. And uh, let us read this together. Psalm 121 verse 1 says, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills. From whence cometh my help. I know where my help comes from. Do you know where your help comes from? My help comes from the Lord. He made heaven. He made earth. And he can make you a millionaire. That came right out of my soul. Hallelujah. He will, I love this, verse 3. He will not suffer your foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee ain't going to sleep. That means you can put your head on your pillow at night and close your eyes. Just say to yourself, well, since he never slumbers or sleeps, he's watching over me. I'm going to get a good night rest. Behold. He that keepeth you shall never slumber or sleep. 
Read verse 5 with me. The Lord is my keeper. The Lord is my shade upon my right hand. Keep reading. The Lord shall preserve you from evil. He shall preserve thy soul. Verse 8 now. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth. Keep verse 8 right there. I don't know whether you realize it or not, but that verse right there is shouting ground. Not only will he keep your slip from falling, your feet from slipping, but he is the one who upholds you by the power of his word. And he shall preserve you. I'm telling you, until Jesus returns, I'm expecting to be preserved. A lot of Christians are sour because they look like they're pickled. But we're not the pickled, we're the preserved. Amen? We got some joy about us. No sour pusses in this house. Amen? The joy of the Lord is your strength. Are you expecting to be preserved? Yes, every day. Are you expecting your body to make it through? Yes. How about your mind? Yes. How many here this morning are expecting for their mind to stay sound? What about the rest of you? Say it with me. I have. A sound mind. Did you know that when the whole world is falling apart and worried and going crazy about what's happening in the world, his mind is yours, for you have the mind of Christ. He's going to preserve you going out and you're coming in. You know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of Deuteronomy 28 where he says, I'm the head, not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. He's going to keep you going out and coming in from this time forth, even forevermore. Hallelujah. So when your back is up against the wall, look up. Stay focused. I like how Colossians puts this in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. He says, don't shuffle along. Eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. But look up and be alert. That's what's going on around Christ. This is where the action is. Seeing things from his perspective. See, he had to get Abraham to go outside and to lift up his eyes so he could look at the stars Because he said, you will become the father of many nations, even more than the stars in the sky. So he had to take him outside of his current situation and move him from one place to another place so he could lift up his eyes. And from that place, he could look out from that place. Friends, if you will become spiritually minded... 
and keep your focus on Him and lift up your eyes and look from your joint seating with Christ in heavenly places, it will literally change your perspective. It'll change the way you see people. It'll change the way you see your circumstance. It'll change the way you see your nation. It'll change the way that you see sinners. When you look at sinners the way that God looks at sinners, all that's going to come out of you is love. When you look at the diseased, the way the master looks at disease from his perspective, it will change your life. It'll move with you compassion and it will cause you to go lay hands on the sick. He has a perspective that is higher than mine. Let's do three, four claps. Let's do three more. You're believing with me, right? Look at Romans chapter 4. Let's look at Abraham's focus here for a moment. God said, you're the father of many nations. In verse 18, it says, who against hope believed in hope. When all natural hope was gone, he hooked his faith into a supernatural expectancy that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Now notice verse 19. I want you to read that with me. Ready, read. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. Think about it. A hundred years old. A hundred years old. He gets a word that he's going to act upon. And then he looks at Sarah and she's about 90. It's going to take God's perspective. It's going to take the hand of God upon Abe and Sarah. That's why all natural hope was gone. But he plugged in with his faith. Now listen to this. This is worth your drive today. Faith is unmoved by what it sees. And faith is unaffected, unaffected by what it feels. Say this with me. My faith, My faith is, unmoved is unmoved by what it feels. And my faith is unaffected by how it feels or what it sees. Don't you suppose Abraham had to deal with some distracting thoughts? Don't you suppose that he had to cast down some imaginations? I got a question for you today. What are these weapons, these thoughts of the enemy that come against us compared to the power of God? The only way that they can have power over our lives 
is they've got to get our attention, get our focus, and keep us preoccupied with them. But I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying to us today, don't allow it, look away, and look unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of your faith. Now notice with me in verse 20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but rather was what? He was strong where? He was strong in faith. And I ask you today, what does strong faith do? Abraham was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Does the glory belong to God? When you don't fail and when you don't go under, when the whole world is failing and the whole world is going under, but you're upheld and your feet aren't slipping, does God deserve some glory? I wonder, has God done anything good for you lately? The fact that you got out of bed today tells me that he's alive in you and he must get some glory. You had butter and toast. You had Pete's coffee, Starbucks, Folgers, bacon and eggs, whatever the case may be. You are alive. You are awake. You have breath in your lungs. Let everyone in the house for about 20 seconds or so give glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. That's better than one of Steph's three-pointers. That's better than Draymond Green's blocks. That's better than Andre Iguodala's MVP in the 2015 NBA Finals. I'm telling you, Jesus is alive and he is worth giving him the glory. Woo! Yeah. Well, now understand this, what we're doing is scriptural today. Is it scriptural for temples of God to give the God of glory, glory? Now, I'm the temple of God, raised the temple of God, my sister's the temple of God, my brother's the temple of God. Jim Five raised the temple of God. All the Nagosa clan are temples of the living God. Amen. Now, individually, during the course of our day, these words should be coming out of our mouths on a regular basis. Lord, I give you glory. I just thank you, Lord. 
I give you praise for my wife. Thank you for my friends. Thank you for the church. I give you, oh, thank you for that parking place. Oh, thank you, Lord. Someone just picked up my bill. Oh. Give him praise. I'll guarantee you, Pastor Tom doesn't wait to get up here on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. to give God the glory. I hear you knocking, but you can't come in. <laughs> anyway. Sure. Stay sanctified, Reverend. He does not wait to get up in front of the congregation to praise. I've heard testimony out of his own mouth that he gives God the glory while he's getting ready in the morning. I saw a little hallway in his house that he'll take the chauffeur up and down and blow the trumpet in Zion. So, we ought to do that regularly in our individual lives. So then now, when we come together, individually we're temples, but corporately we are also the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now listen, this building here has been set apart. Pastor Kenneth Hagen came and dedicated this building in August of 2007. How many of you are here for that? This building used to be a movie theater, but it is no longer a movie theater. It is a place for a move of God. Amen. And so this place itself is a temple set aside and set apart to give God some glory. Somebody says, why do you guys get so excited? We just get excited because we do. And because we are. And because of whose we are. And whose we is and who we are in Him and who He is in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. We just can't help it. We just can't keep our mouths shut. Right? Someone says, wow, I wish you had a verse for that. Psalm 29 says this, that in His temple, now notice this, does everyone Speak of His glory. Yes. Try to find that. Psalm 29, 11, I think. I'm probably wrong, but I could be right. It might be right, might be wrong, but it's in Psalm 29. I want you to see something. Because we're not just wasting time when we take a glory break. Psalm, the 29th Psalm, and verse... Verse 9? Okay, verse 9. Thank you, see ya. Notice this verse. Psalm 29, verse 9. 
Okay. Notice the last part of that verse. Read it with me. And in his temple, every who? Every who? Let's do it for another 10 seconds since everyone. Give him glory. Now, go to Matthew 14. You see, Abraham was fully persuaded that what God promised he was able to perform. And the performance of the promise came to pass in the birth of Isaac. Isaac's name means laughter. When Isaac was born, great joy was born. Isn't that awesome? Now, in Matthew 14, verse 22. And straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side. Say, maybe we're going to the other side. When he sent the multitudes away. Verse 23. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. Get the picture. They're in the boat, heading for the other side. He's on a mountain praying. But then evening came, and he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. But in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. He never comes with a greeting of fear. He always comes with a greeting of be of good cheer. There was reason for them to be of good cheer and not to fear. Because Jesus said, you're going to go to the other side. But the distraction came, which looked like they may not make it to the other side. Fear overcame them. And so instead of having a response of faith, when they saw him walking on the water, they had a response of fear. They were in fear up to their ears and eyeballs. Except for one man. Except for one man. And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was Come down out of the ship. Oh, come on, somebody. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. Peter had to move from where he was to where the master was. And in order for him to move from where he was to where the master was, he had to step down. Now hold that thought.
And he said, verse 29, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. I want you to see this today. Here is a natural man doing a supernatural thing. Peter beheld Jesus. He was focused upon him and he walked on the water. He was empowered to go from the natural to the supernatural. Come on, beholding Jesus. And as long as he beheld him, he was able to stand and walk. Now get this, don't miss this. The power for Peter to walk on the water came with one word and that one word was come. Peter was walking on the word, oh glory, which enabled him to walk on the water. When you walk on the word, you will be enabled to walk over debt, over disease, and over depression. Woo, glory. The power of God was there for him to do the miraculous. All debt, all disease, all depression will always tell you, you cannot do it. You cannot walk on the water. But I hear the Spirit of the Lord on the inside of me saying, Oh, yes, you can. Say with me, Oh, yes, I can. Oh, yes, you can when you have a word. When you have a word. Folks, we've got more than one word come. We've got 66 books of exceeding great and precious promises. And it is by these promises, if you will just stand on the promises of God, whoo, hallelujah, you will be able to escape the corruption that is in this world. I love it, don't you? How are you going to make it? Pastor Mark, how are you going to make it? Brother Tim, how are you going to make it? Sister Sue, I tell you how we're going to make it. We're going to make it by looking unto Jesus. As long as he did so, Peter is being spiritually minded. And what's coming out of that word come? Life is coming out of that word. And again, he's not just walking on the water. He's walking on the word. It kept him from going under. But when he saw the wind boisterous, the Bible says, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried, Lord, save me. This is where he got distracted. He took his eyes off his him back into the natural realm and he began to sink. Every pressure that we face in life is designed to take our attention off of the master, onto the symptoms, onto the debt, onto the depression. And I hear, I want you to notice this. It didn't take long for him to sink. Now understand this, that if you have a raging battle in your life, you cannot afford to entertain your flesh to the degree that you don't have time to walk with God. 
Seeing people in hospital rooms, the TV just blaring, blaring, blaring. It's life and death, man. I don't have time to be in the Word. We don't have time not to be in the Word. It didn't take long. As soon as he took his eyes off Jesus, he began to sink. Notice verse 31. Aren't you glad that the Master will never leave us nor forsake us? Even though we begin to sink sometimes in life, he's right there with those everlasting arms. And in verse 31 it says, And immediately stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Thank God. He pulled him back up onto the water and they walked back on the boat together. Here's what I sense the Holy Spirit saying this morning to all of us. It is time to behold the Lamb. Just as Jesus delivered Peter when he was sinking, he will deliver you. We must look to him who is able to keep us from falling. If you're sinking today, if you've fallen today, I encourage you to look up to Jesus. To refocus your attention upon him. He's able to keep you from falling. Now listen, folks. If we look at the things around us, we'll be like the other disciples and never get out of the boat. Just stay in the boat where it's comfortable. Stay in the boat where we're, what we're familiar with. We could say that the disciples who didn't get out of the boat were dry boat riders. And there's a lot of dry boat rider Christian types. Because they'll never leave their comfort zone to step out. Come on, somebody. But Peter had a different spirit. Peter said, Lord, if it's you... Bid unto me to come. And the word of the Lord said, come. So Peter got up. He stepped down. And then he stepped in. I said he got up. He stepped down. And he stepped in. He stepped out of the natural into the supernatural. And some of us need to get up. And step down. And step out out of that debt into our wealthy place. Some of us need to get up, step down, and step in to freedom from sickness and disease. Woo, glory. I said glory to God. You see, if I look some days at what's going on around me in the natural, I'll stay in the natural realm. But oh, thank God for the ability to take steps of faith. My Bible says that we walk by faith and not by sight. You see, I can't look at that. I've got to keep my eyes on Him. I've got to behold the Lamb. How is it that you're not being affected? I'm looking to Him. 
I'm looking to the only one who can bring me out and bring me up. The only one who can quicken my mortal body. You know what his name is? His name is Jesus. He's my rock. He's the lily of the valley. He's my bright and morning star. He's my bomb in Gilead. He's the rock of ages. He is the great I am. And I'm looking at him, the author and the finisher of my faith. You see, the dry boat riders didn't accomplish anything. But somebody said, but Peter sank. I'd rather be a wet water walker than a dry boat rider any day of the week. I'm telling you, in the first service, I had everybody stand up. There was such a strong anointing on this. I believe that we need to stand up right now and focus our attention and keep our eyes on Him. Glory to God. How many, how many faith steppers we got here? How many faith talkers we got here? How many faith walkers we got here? Amen. Who'll take a step with me today? Come on, let's step in. Let's step in.